0: If you have a Bible, if you'll turn with me one last time here to Acts chapter 2 again, uh, looking at the passage we looked at last week, we're going to continue a few thoughts from there as well. So again, if you have a Bible, Acts 2 is where we'll be. We'll bounce around a little bit this morning, Uh, and then here in a couple weeks, I'm going to be away next week, I think besides the one time I missed uh, for COVID, um, that COVID thing, Took me out for one week. Um, I think this will be the second time I've, I've missed a worship service together. So uh, I'll be—I'm sure—thinking of you and praying for for you. But uh, Robbie Provost, his dad is going to be with us next week and share uh, the word. He is a marketplace minister. So make sure you use that word with him. Don't call him a missionary. I, I think that's what I've heard. Uh, so, but uh, uh, Robbie, if you didn't know, grew up in Albania, and his uh, parents uh, served there. Uh, and a lot of different places and travels now. And he'll be speaking with us, bringing God's word to us next week. Uh, And I'm sure it will be a blessing to you uh, next week. And then after that, we'll jump back into Mark. So I'm excited. So if you have your Mark devotional or your Mark uh, little uh, note-taking. I don't even know what you call it anymore, I don't know, it's been so long since we've touched them. Journal, I guess you could say. Uh, feel free to bring those back if you've got to dust it off a little bit, maybe. It's been a, it's been a, a while since we've been in Mark, but I'm looking forward to jumping back into Mark uh, as on, upon my return in a couple weeks. So, um, again, good to be with you this morning. Acts chapter 2 is where we're going to be, and this morning I want to kind of kind of wrap up our community life series together by talking, and a just simple title today, uh, but how the idea that we're better together. How many of you played, played like childhood, even if it was t-ball, and that was like the extent of your, of your team sports kind of thing? But you might play a team sport growing up. You played whether it's soccer, football, volleyball, tennis, I don't know, cross country, all those kind of things. Um, team sports. Do, I mean, if you, I think back, do you remember some of, like, if I think about this all the time because I played on a lot of different teams. And, and I, I think of like, I love, I've always loved team sports. Uh, I think it's bled into my work life. I love the aspect of team. I love pulling a team together. I love being a part of a team, bouncing ideas of of each other, working together for a common goal. Uh, And I I think back, though, you know, I think of NFL is always considered, the National Football League is always considered kind of like the the consummate team sport, Uh, that if you have... You know, a baseball team, you know, like, like you can have a star pitcher just be amazing in the playoffs and he gets to pitch twice and he can almost win two games for your team by just being an amazing pitcher. Uh, you might only get one run. The whole team does terrible, but they play defense, all those kind of things, of course. So it's still team sport. Uh, I played it a lot of my life. Um, but there's something about football, though, that it's like if not everyone's on the same page, there's trouble you end up watching any games today, and if you watch the Falcons and Panthers, you're probably going to see a lot of mistakes um, in that game. So if you want to watch a good football team, you might want to watch a different game. Um, but uh, but w- when you watch this, though, like, right, I mean, there's these linemen, and there's the center. He's in the middle, and then there's a right guard, left guard. You didn't know you are going to get all this lesson this morning. And there's some tackles on the outside. These guys are so important because they're protecting, and they're trying to open holes for the running back to run forward to get an advantage and get further down the field and try to get a first down or a touchdown. Or the quarterback's going to drop back and there's going to be people trying to kill him, literally actually maybe trying to actually kill him. And he needs those linemen to block those people to give give him time to not die and also, too, to hopefully complete a pass and do this within split seconds, it seems. But it's a team sport. There's a dynamic of a team uh, I think back. I, I, my dad, my dad. Uh, we were kind of joking last night a little bit about my dad. My dad's in like ancestry.com, and like he has, he like found all this ancestry stuff on not my family, on Kay and David's family. Like, I mean, he's like, hey, I'm going to Pennsylvania. There's like a bunch of bunch of relatives that you have here, and they're like, I don't even know if they know who these relatives are, but somehow my dad did, um, and stuff. But but my my dad, uh, growing up, we would we would visit these all these different places, and th- and he was very fascinated um, by uh, by these things, but my dad was like my biggest cheerleader, and I remember being a part of a team. And so, my dad recently sent me this old article that he found. It was an email uh, that was about my baseball team in college, uh, and it was pretty, pretty sad to read the article. It was like, it was like this person's trying their best to be like positive, you know, cuz they're like a journalist for our school and they're writing this this article about our two our three baseball games that we lost. I think the combined score in those games were like 47 to 4 or something like that. I mean really bad that's that's not a football game score that was baseball and they had scored 40 something like that and like this person tried to spin it as best they could my dad sent it to me and so this is like two weeks ago and I, I forwarded it to a bunch of the teammates that I played for I hadn't talked to some of them in a long time sent them this article and just kind of la- had a good laugh about it but I still remember that team it was my sophomore year and it began like I just described terrible like we were awful and we started the season so bad, but what was so it was like one of the most fun I've ever had as a team. And we started gelling as a team and enjoying each other, laughing together, road trips, all those things. And eventually we got to our region uh, and we won our own region somehow. And you're like, seriously, your region was either really bad <laughs> or somehow we improved. And I think it's a little bit of both probably. Um, but if you remember back, there's something about the dynamic of teams, of this aspect that... As a team, there's an aspect of a team that, like, together we can accomplish something. They have common goals. They have common interests. And there's something that we see, and I want you to look at this in Acts 2. We looked at it a little bit last week, but I want to tease it out a little bit more. And really just have two main points this morning. Uh, But Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42, if you aren't here with us, I'll read it again uh, to verse 47. Listen to this and picture team a little bit when you think of this church forming and almost seeing them as a team coming together. Listen to what it says about this first church. It says, and they devoted themselves. We talked about how a church they were devoted. That's what we focused on last week. And they devoted themselves to what? To the apostles' teaching and the the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed, notice this, were together and had all things in common. Notice this, this team, these, but I remember, we talked about this last week. This, this group of people could not be more eclectic. I mean, they're coming from all various regions If you look earlier, and we looked at it last week, we won't again this morning, but if you look back in earlier in Acts 2, you'll see there are people coming from all these various regions, and this formed the first church. I mean, Gentiles and Jews, Samaritans and Jews who hated each other. All of a sudden, these these groups of people, but people from Egypt, from Samaria, all of the surrounding areas have come together. They hear the gospel, they're cut to the heart from Peter's message, and the Spirit of God illumines their heart and they repent and they're saved and this church is formed and now what do we find this church doing they're devoting themselves together they're meeting together notice what it says they all things were in common and they were selling their possessions samaritans and jews i mean if you remember in the gospels Jesus, I mean, they would go, literally, they would take a long route to get somewhere on the other side of Samaria so they wouldn't go through it. They didn't even want to touch those people, be near those people. They would go around the whole country. They would make their trip much longer to go around to avoid those people. That's why it was a big deal when Jesus said, I need to go to Samaria, and he met the woman, the Samaritan woman at the well. But they despised each other. But here now, They're selling their possessions. They're saying, This isn't mine. I'm going to share what I have with others. They might be a Samaritan. They might be a Gentile. They may be a foreigner. They may be unlike me. They might be a slave. They might be free. They might be anywhere in the class system that they would have been in. But they were devoted to each other, they cared deeply. And what are they doing? And I want you to see this this morning. Is One is this. and This is our first point is this morning. Is, is we are created. This is how you were designed. You were created for this. You were created for community. You see, the best version of yourself exists within Christian community. I mean, we see this as they're coming together. And they were selling their possessions, belongings, and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, they're attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. They receive their food with glad and generous hearts. Like they are sharing meals together. I don't know if you've noticed this before. If you've ever, as you're getting to know someone, it seems like your your relationship and friendship goes to another level when you have a meal together. When you come together, whether that's going out to eat together potentially, but specifically even in your home, when you invite someone into your home and you invite them over and you share a meal together, you break bread together and you laugh and talk, there's something about that time together that you usually go deeper. You see, that's something that's in us that we're created for. You're created not to do this life on your own. This is what we've been really saying from the whole series, the point of view for the whole series. God created all people for relationship. Remember what it was saying? It was right. He, he created you to give relationship to you. He doesn't need it in himself. He has it within the Trinity. But yet he lavishes that on us and says, I want to give myself to you. I want to create relationship. And, and what does he do when that relationship is broken in Genesis 3? He begins to move heaven and earth to draw you to himself again. He wants to invite you back into his family. He wants to restore what was broken. He is, listen, this means you and I were created for this community, this aspect of community. But I want to I ask, ask you this question very seriously. You don't have to say it out loud, of course, but who do you have in your life who has permission to both encourage and challenge you? Think about that. Who in your life, That may be your spouse specifically. But for those of you that are single or even beyond the, the marriage relationship, who are some people who have this kind of permission? This kind of permission to, the one, they're like gonna be your biggest encourager. They're gonna be encouraging you. Like, they're gonna be the one, you might have some of those people, you're like, I'm thankful for them, sort of, <laughs> who are like, hey, man, I missed you this past week. You know, like, or when you're not at community group, man, like, genuinely, they're, they're after you. Not because they're like, hey, man, like, you missed, you better be there, perfect attendance is what we're shooting for. No, like, it's, but they care, they miss you, but they have permission to, like, like hey, man, like, you might, it might feel a little uncomfortable when they're like, hey, where were you? like, I know, I, 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 was, I was tired, you know, or what, you may have some excuses, and they're like, instead of that person just being like, oh, okay, no problem, <laughs> they're like, well, what's going on? Like, how can I help? Like, wh- what's going on in your life that led you to be really tired and exhausted? Like, is there something I can do? They're, you see, you were designed for community, but I'm asking you, who are those people in your life who have the permission both to encourage you and to challenge you? Who are, and then the other question is this. like And this might be, you're like, you know, I have a few of those people. But here specifically, I want you to hear this. Who are you being that for? Who are you being that for? Who are you chasing after? Who are you pouring into? Who are you seeking after? Who are you challenging? Who are you encouraging? You see, we're, we see this aspect as this church was being formed. I want to take you on a little bit of a journey. Tur- turn to Galatians chapter 6. If you're like, I have no idea where Galatians is, it's okay, I'll read it to you, but if you keep going a little bit further in the back of your Bible, you'll get there eventually. So um, you'll get through the Corinthians, first and second Corinthians, you'll pass Acts, Romans, first, and 2 Corinthians, and then Galatians, I, the one way I always remember it, Galatians is the first of all of those, like Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, it's like Galatians number one, it starts there first. So Galatians chapter six, I think I've preached on this passage before, so if you're like, you know, if you're like, if you're like wondering uh, why I can't always remember the sermons, don't worry, I don't either. I'm like, when, I know I preached on this. I just don't remember when or what I, exactly I said. So I understand. Uh, I don't remember all that I say too, and I studied a lot for it, I'm sure. Galatians chapter 6, look at verse 1. He says, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of, notice this word, It's is important, gentleness. If anyone's caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. But notice the warning here, keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. Bear one, notice this, these aspects of the church, how we were designed and we were created for community. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Listen, we're, we're burden bearers. How can you be an encouragement? That's one way to be an encourager is to bear the load of someone else. Man, you see they're exhausted. You see they're tired. You know, they've been wasting away, whether it's work, busyness, family life, some trials, some struggles, sickness, pregnancies, other aspects. Like we're there to help carry loads and bear bear burdens. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work. And then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Verse 6, he says this, Let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Listen, you you share together. There's a oneness together. You are created for community. Look at John chapter 13. So if you're going back, all right, so you're going back to the Gospels. So we're going back a little ways or going towards the front a little bit further. John chapter, it's the last of the the Gospels. John 13. This is a fascinating word that that Jesus uses here in John chapter 13. This is when he's washing the disciples' feet. Um, This humility of Christ. But after he washes their feet, in verse 35, listen to what he says, or verse 34 first. He says, a new commandment. Notice this, a new commandment. It's not this new commandment. I mean, the commandment to love people has always existed. But notice what his his description of this new commandment is. It's a new way because he's instituting a new covenant of a relationship. And this new relationship with God, this aspect that we can have with him. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another Listen to what he says about this. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. This is the command. We're to love one another. But notice verse 35. This is so important. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. Think about this. How did did you know when Jesus is on earth, he's walking around, how did people know that James, Peter, John, the others, Bartholomew, different ones, how did they know that they were his disciples? What would they have paid attention to? Well, they would be like, all right, those guys keep following him around everywhere he goes. They're like, well, there he goes. They're walking with Jesus again. There, oh, there they go. He's teaching, and where's the disciples? They're right in front of him. They're they're taking in. They're like they're learners. They're taking in from their their, their teacher. So when Jesus is gone, how are people? How does the world know who are my disciples? This is an important mark. Of a follower of Jesus, he's saying this, he says it right here, by this all people will know that you are my disciples, not by you following me, sitting under my teaching, attending worship together, but notice this, if you have love for one another, it's by your love for each other within the church, not even just loving the world, loving the people around you in your neighborhood, people who are lost or people who are followers of Jesus. It doesn't matter who they are, or whatever. I mean, we're to love all people. That's the command as well. Who is your neighbor, as Jesus said? He says all people are. But here, this, this command is interesting because he's pointing to the love within the community. He's like, how will the, the world, the watching world, know that you are my followers? It is your love for each other. And will you go back to Acts 2 again? You see how radical this love is? It's pretty remarkable. When you look at Acts 2, you're like, what kind of love does this? Selling possessions and belongings, distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. There can, I mean, like, listen, it's like, you know, right? Whenever you have family, visiting family stay with you for a while, right? Eventually, what are you ready for? You guys, you can go on home now, right? Like, all right, it's time time to go. Like, you know, we've, we've enjoyed this time together. It's been great. It's been wonderful. But like, all right, need my space again and all that kind of stuff. Think about this. Their love was so special that they're day by day getting together. You know, after a while, you're like, all right, not, I mean, like, you, you end up getting with the people that are like you, right? Like, those are the people you want to hang out with, the ones who think like you, act like you, you have the same interest, you laugh together, all those things. But here, these people have different interests. They're in different classes. There's people who are washing feet. There's people who are, who are high up in the ladder of society, and they're all meeting together and having all things in common. After a while, you might get on each other's nerves like just you would with family, but here, this love is so unique that the watching world sees, and they're like, there's something unique about these people. They genuinely love each other. See, that? what a, what a testimony, what a, what, a, what a witness to the world is how we love one another. But here's the thing, you can't love from a distance. You don't just love from a distance and say like, oh man, I love you. No, you know how this works. It happens in your, if you're in a relationship, whether you're married or in a dating relationship, different, or even just friends, right? Like if you don't stay connected, that friendship wanes. It, go, it, go, it gets less and less. I think of my college years, right? I was really close to those guys on that baseball team. I mean, really close. We went, on, we went on vacations together. We hung out on the weekends. We were riding bus rides together. We were doing all these things, and we stayed, and we would talk to each other, and we, we talked to each other after. We were in fantasy football leagues and baseball leagues together for, for several years, but what happened? It got less and less and less. Why? Because we weren't getting together anymore. We'd moved on. We're living in all different areas of the country. So what happens naturally is the people that are closest to you become closer to you. But you have to, you have to give a little bit. You have to invite people in. you got to be close. And this is what I mean when I say we're created for community. Secondly, here's what we do also within community is we grow in community. We grow. Notice day by day in verse 46, they're attending the temple together. They're breaking bread in their homes. They receive their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. I mean, the gospel was being being cast through the group. The collective group. Maybe it meant, hey, come join us. We're we're getting together again. And what are we devoting ourselves to? Back at 42, they're devoting themselves to what? The apostles' teaching. They're devoting themselves to scripture. They're devoting themselves to learning. We looked at that last week. They're devoting themselves in these ways. And this is how they have grown. Turn, this is a little bit, maybe a little bit harder to find, but towards the, towards the back, 1 Thessalonians. So that's after all those Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. You, you know, you're getting, you're getting in there, uh, and you get a little bit further back. If you get to Revelation or to your um, index, you've gone way too far. Uh, but 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, just one verse, but I want you to, I, lo- I love this verse. Uh, Paul, as he's speaking here, he says this about himself and their, his comrades. He says, so being affectionately desirous of you. For one, think of his heart. He's longing for these churches that he was planting, these, these communities that were being, made the gospel spreading like wildfire, and there's people being saved in town after town, in his church after church, and here in Thessalonica. And here he says, so being affectionately desirous of you, notice what he says, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel, He's like, I I, I love you. I want to share the gospel with you. Like, hey, we can talk about our love for the world around us and say, oh, we love the world. We like, like, let me let me communicate the gospel to them. We want them to hear the gospel. So we have live streams and we have websites and we social media, other things that we want to get the, the word of God out to the nations. We want people to hear the gospel. But notice what Paul says next. He's like, not only the gospel of God, but notice this, but also ourselves. We gave of our own selves because you had become very dear to us. What is he saying? He's giving himself to these people. He's like, I love you dearly. I'm affectionate for you. I'm desirous of you. And we're ready to share. I want to share with you not just the gospel, but life, all of me. You see, to grow as people and in our faith, we need to know each other and we need to be known. We need to be known, and we need to know other people. I think over the years of my life, how there's been at different seasons of my life people who've been there for that very purpose, to grow me. I think of the most natural in my own home, my parents. My mom and dad and my grandmother and my grandfather on both sides, and their impact on my life. They were invested. They were sharing their life with me and the gospel to me. But I think even as I, I remember when I first moved away and as I went to college and I'm like on my own for the kind of the first time, there's a a close friend in my life at that time who was pushing me, who we were praying together. We were devoting ourselves to reading scripture together. And so we would keep each other accountable. He had permission to, to like Man, like, wake up, Eric. Like, you're, you're living in sin again. You're being, pri- you're being prideful. He, was, he had that kind of permission. I mean, without this person, I, I, I don't know where I would have been through a few of those years in college. I think I might would have drifted. I don't know. But I know that I was created for community and that I grew because of community. There was a collection, we started pulling some friends together and we kind of did a discipleship group. And sometimes we would go and we would worship together, sit around and play the guitar and sing worship songs together and open up God's word and just read it together. I think fast forwarding my life as I first got into ministry, I was in a small town in Elberton, Georgia. It's called the Granite Capital of the World, if you didn't know. Um, Just a few, like an hour and a half away here. But living there, I mean, we uh, were—I mean, I was twenty, I was twenty-four, getting into ministry, and it was a small town. Amanda and I are both from the city. I'm from Charlotte. She's from Atlanta. Here we are in this country town that we did not. It was so unfamiliar to us. But man, such a lovely people there. It wasn't just like, oh, it was cool to have church and worship. No, it was the people. But these people were in their fifties and sixties. I'm in my twenties. These were—they were my parents' age at the time. But they were our community. And they had permission to speak into my life. They helped when we first had our very first child. You know, we didn't know what we were doing. You know, Colson's born, this is, I mean, this is 13, four, almost 14 years ago. or 15, really 16 years ago when we first got there. And here we are. We're like, there's no other young couples in this church. It felt like I was, the, I was leading worship. I was, I was uh, doing the youth ministry, and then they fired the pastor. So then I became the interim, and it was just me. And then I'm like, I don't even know what I'm doing. I'm 24. I have no idea what I'm doing uh, at the time. I still don't believe those years happened somehow. But, um, but these people, they loved, they loved me. They cared. They had us in their home, and that's how we met. We would meet in their homes on Sunday nights. We would come over. We would eat some, some food together, and we would talk about scripture. We would pray for one another. And here we are. We're twenty four, and these are six. These are like our. They weren't just like they were our friends. Like we actually wanted to hang out with them, <laughs> you know. Like we we des- like I desired to learn from them and for, hear from them. And then I remember moving to, to, to Charlotte area when I moved back towards towards home for me, and the churches there as God started bringing new relationships again into my life, each in every area. And then even as I moved here, starting in the home with just a few people, getting some guys together to to read scripture together, we'd meet at Trade Winds and we would look at God's word together and encourage each other, memorize scripture together. These men are pushing me to be a better man. Listen, this is how you grow. You, if you're trying to grow on your own, you're most likely going to fail because that's not how you were designed. You were created for community. See, this is a challenge for us because it's a lot easier to avoid it. It's, it's simpler, right? Because relationships get messy. It's hard. You're giving and taking. You're, it's tough. It's tough. This is how you're stretched. This is how you grow. So I ask you this morning, what could be your next step? That next step may be just like opening up more to someone. Like, hey, I need someone to speak into my life. I I don't really have that person right now. Would you be that? Maybe it's someone who's in another stage of life above you that that could speak into into your life and encourage you and help you and challenge you and help shape you. Um, you need those people. That might be your next step. Another step could be just simply, hey, like this week is a beginning, right? We're having a 10-week. I'm going to give this thing a try. I don't know. It might be a big mess. I don't know. I might be a tearful mess every week. I don't want to share my, all my stuff. I want to keep that to myself. You know, it's like, I don't know. Well, why don't you just give it a try? Maybe say yes to like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to join Rooted for this 10-week session, all right, leading me up to about Thanksgiving. So I can try to commit about 10 weeks of my time to get into community. So I want to ask you, who is your community? Who are the people that are helping you become more like Christ? Who is pushing you, loving you, challenging you? I believe that one of the best ways to do that is when you get in a community group, in a, a relationship with other people. Listen, what that looks like, if you're like, man, I don't know, like, what does it look like? Uh, what we do simply, at least in our group, is we... we Every, all these different people. Listen, this is the be- like sometimes you could say to be honest, this might be the best part is like the food that ends up coming, <laughs> and you're like, man, the the food, like Thursday nights I always leave very full spiritually, but also very. My stomach is very full. I'm like, I I've, I've do- overdone it again. <laughs> Lord, forgive me. Like, my gluttonous heart. I just couldn't help having one more chip with that cheese dip that was so good. You know. But like we come together, we share, we share a meal together. We laugh, we talk, we catch up on our week. And then we sit down together and we look at God's word together and we encourage each other. And then we pray together. We share each other's burdens in that way by hey, like what's going on in your family and how can we pray for you? Listen, I want to encourage you. This would be a great next step for you is to jump into a community Group, You can do that. Again, Austin will mention some stuff on that at the end here uh, in a few minutes. But I want to encourage you. like, Who are those people in your life? And then what could be your next step? Maybe that next step is saying, okay, yes, uh, to Rooted. I hope you'll do that. And I hope you'll give yourself to this. Because you are designed, you are created for community. And this is the best way to grow is when it's in relationship with others, looking at God's word together and challenging each other. Well, this morning, we also I want us to absorb, observe the Lord's Supper together. And we're going to do this here in just a second. But I wanted to give you this one quote um, from A.W. Tozer um, before we transition to uh, communion together. He says this, and I want you to hear this quote. I think it's important. He says, has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos all tuned to the same fork are automatically tuned to each other? They are of one accord by being tuned, not to each other, but to another standard to which each one must individually bow. So 100 worshipers met together, each one looking away to Christ, are in heart nearer to each other than they could possibly be were they to become unity conscious and turn their eyes away from God to strive for closer fellowship. Social, so he says, social religion is perfected when private religion is purified. And I think, it's, I think that's so, it's so important when you think about like what unifies us. It's not trying to be unified together. It's by unifying ourselves to our Savior. And as each of us are pursuing Christ, as we're looking into Christ, fixing our eyes on Christ, as we're united by His shed blood, that's what unites us. That's what tunes us all to the same fork, as it were. This is what God has done for us. He has paved the way for our salvation. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, I want to read it uh, to you here in just a second, but 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 11, uh, Paul, in speaking and reminding this church in Corinth who has got all this wrong, you know, what we saw in Acts 2 became a big mess in Corinth. In Corinth, in in Acts 2, we see that the church gathered and they're breaking the bread, meaning they're observing the Lord's Supper together. They're breaking bread and reminding themselves of the cost of of their salvation, that Jesus' blood was poured out and his body was broken for them. But in Corinth, it had not become that way. And listen to what it says as, as Paul's warning them. He says, but in the following instructions, verse 17, I do not commend you. That would not be something you want to hear as, you know, because I mean remember, this is a letter that would have been read in the church. So here they get up, Paul's got a letter, he's Paul's not there, but someone's gonna read this letter from Paul. They're all gathered at the church, and here they start reading, they're reading, okay, and then here he says, But in the following instruction, I do not commend you. He's talking straight to this congregation. He says, Because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. What does that look like? How does a church go from united, tuned to the same fork, to what we see here, when they come together? I hear, he says, there are divisions among you, and I believe it in part, for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you come together, notice what he says here, this is uh, his, his strong warning against them. It says, when you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry. Remember how we were seen in Acts 2? They're sharing their possessions. They're breaking bread and distributing it to each other. They're, they're observing this together. They're praising God together. Verse 47. Here they come together. And for in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry. Another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God, the the local assembly, the gathered church, and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not, Paul says. And then here's what he says about the Lord's Supper as we do this together this morning. He says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, That the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, I mean, picture this. He takes this bread and he breaks this loaf of bread. He breaks this loaf of bread. And here's what Jesus' own words was. He says, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he takes it and he gives it to each of the disciples and says to eat it. And they eat it and they're reminding themselves, and they remember, they're they don't even know what's going on yet this first time. Like, what does all this mean? They're like, Jesus is going to die? They were so confused. But what he was pointing to was what he was about to experience, his death, the brutality, this man of sorrows that we were singing about earlier. He says, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he says he took the cup And after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, listen to these words, you proclaim. You remember Our love for one another is the witness to the world. How will the world know? When we break bread together, as we come together and share this, we go to the table together and we share this meal together, we're communicating and we're proclaiming the Lord's death until He comes. And so we do this. We do this together. We want to do this as a regular part of Redeemer, as we remind ourselves of the cost of our salvation, that Jesus' body was broken for you. His blood was poured out and shed for your forgiveness of sins, and we're to do these things in remembrance of Him. So in a moment, I'm going to pray, and I want to just encourage you. So we have a table set up over here. Austin will help assist with getting you anything that you need. So we have uh, the bread there that he'll, he'll break off for you, and then a cup there. And again, you might be like, why do we do this? This is not probably the way I would normally do this, but Um, with our limitations of food and drink on this carpet and all that stuff with the school, we try to keep it over there. So if you don't mind, you can kind of make a line and come whenever you're ready. Um, And you can just work your way this way and then go back to your uh, seat together. And then we're going to sing a song together that I don't think we've sung together as a church yet. Um, And thank you, Jesus, for the blood uh, applied this morning. I want us to sing that together, reminding ourselves again of the cost of our salvation. So I'm going to pray um, and then whenever you're ready, when your heart, I would, I would encourage you as this warning, even as Paul goes on in this chapter, he warns, like, this isn't just for anyone. This is for the church. These are for people who have placed their faith in Jesus uh, for salvation. This is something that we do together as a church family, but it is for believers, and listen, don't don't feel the pressure of, like, man, I should do this, because he warns about don't do it in an unworthy fashion. If you're if you have something going on, there's some sin that's been in your life and you haven't gotten that right with the Lord, maybe withhold from, t- from taking it this morning. But I would encourage you, rather than just withhold, get it right with the Lord. Sit there and confess your sins to Him. Put your trust in Him again uh, and observe and go to the table together. So I'm going to pray, and, and then we can just uh, play some music softly even in the back. I don't know if you have anything or not, but you can play some soft music or something. And then just take your time uh, as we observe uh, the Lord's uh, Supper this morning. Let me pray. Father. Uh, We just want to pause and thank you. Uh, Thank you so much for what you have done for us. Father, forgive us of our apathy. Father, forgive us of our pride. Forgive us of our, our sin. As we looked at in Isaiah 53, it's by your wounds that were healed, but it's our iniquities that brought those wounds. The stripes that were on your back were because of us. It's our sin. It's we're to blame. Um, So, Father, help us to confess our sins to you. Help us to trust fresh and anew in you, God. May we come to the table together with a grateful heart. Thank you. So, God, I just want to thank you. Thank you for uh, this bread that we will share together and eat uh, together. I thank you for this reminder of your body being broken for us. And I thank you for the cup as we remind ourselves of your blood being poured out for our forgiveness and for our sins. So thank you, Jesus. Thank you for this blood that gets applied to our account and our heart. So that when the Father looks on us, he doesn't see my sin. He sees Christ's righteousness on me. So I thank you for his shed blood. And so, Father, help us to go to the table together as a family, united more than we've ever been. And I pray that uh, you would help us to be a church that lives and breathes community, that we would grow and and come closer to you through each other and be an encouragement to each other. We thank you. We ask for your blessings uh, as we go to the table together. We ask this in your son's name. Amen. Amen.